to the Told in the Line podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi. Today, I bring you someone special. This man has traveled the world to train, compete, conduct seminars, help prepare people, world-class athletes and coaches, author of eight books, developed one of the top NFL combine training programs in the country, producing the fastest athletes. He's consulted professional teams, Division I teams, U.S. Olympians, gold medalists, silver medalists in America. He is known as the beast in the East. On the global platform, he's known as the best in the West. Western hemisphere, that is. No need for face paint or ribbons around the bicep, tricep, sliding under the rings and shaking the ropes. I'm bringing you the ultimate warrior, Martin Rooney. And we bring on the superstar guest, Sophia Rooney. (laughs) And man, we're going to get this thing rolling. Martin, what's up, baby? Uh, hey, it is my pleasure to be here. And uh, long time overdue, Gio. And, and already we've been reminiscing. I, people, anybody listening, you missed out on the 40-minute conversation we just had before <laughs> we even turned on the record button. But yeah. hey, first off, Gio, thanks for setting the bar so low for all the, uh, for the audience. Right? Oh, but, no. But... Uh, but um, it is, again, hey, my pleasure to be here. Depending on when anybody is listening to this, uh, today, guys, we are going to motivate you. We're going to fire you up. We're going to be nonstop giving you valuable ways to improve yourself or in your career. But I don't want anybody to think for a second that we are not taking this time serious. So, yeah, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be motivating. But, uh, hey, this is one of our most challenging times than ever. I recognize that. But if I had a choice between I'm going to think positive or negative, I'm going to go positive right now, and I hope everybody joins uh, with us on that. But, hey, shout out to Gio right now. Guys, if, if, you know, he said, hey, say a little about myself, and I'm gonna, but Gio and I worked together for a bunch of years. Uh, my daughter is on for her first podcast ever because Gio was one of her coaches when she was just a little, little kid, and it's been so cool to reminisce. But there was a period of time, and I had to remind him today, that we were pioneering the sports performance industry that now exists 20 something years later was one of the most exciting times in my career. And, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to maybe help give everybody some insight today on how to carve their own path uh, like I did. But for anybody that's not familiar with me, I'm going to give you the quick 30, last 30 years (laughs) in a real short span. So here we go. Here we go. (laughs) I'm going to try to do it. (laughs) No, uh, do it like uh, Ace Ventura on one breath. Here we go. Hey, I grew up in New Jersey. I was a track and field athlete, went to college in South Carolina on a scholarship, went to the Medical University of South Carolina, got my third degree, first was in exercise science, then uh, physical therapy and my master's, made the U.S. bobsled team, then became a therapist, but I didn't want to do therapy anymore because I didn't know if that was what I really wanted to do and got into sports performance, and that's where I met Gio. So, now, along that way, as you already heard, I, I had the luxury and the opportunity to train some of the best athletes in the world. Uh, I've been lucky to compete at a high level and live at the Olympic Training Center and work with so many phenomenal coaches. And uh, now I'm spending my time with my organization called Training for Warriors, which is also 20 years old. It's affecting tens of thousands of people around the world, in particular adults and adult fitness. But, uh, But hey, anybody can be a warrior. That warrior is inside waiting to come out. And I'm also currently a high school track and field coach at my daughter's high school. But right now that season was postponed. So we're just, our team right now is just me and her, you know, where we're training. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so that's kind of the story. And I think more stuff will come out today, but, uh, but definitely if anybody is not familiar with some of my stuff, you can check out either trainingforwarriors.com or coachinggreatness.com or just do a Google search or social media search on Martin Rooney, and I, I promise there's a lot of great info there for you. Yeah, Google search him. You might get uh, infinite Google pages on him. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, talk to, the, uh, talk to the people. The people want to know, who is this Sophia Rooney no one's heard of before? I mean, obviously, I don't have as much background or experience as Gio and my dad here, but I mean, I grew up with both of them, being coached by both of them, and Martin's my dad and coach, and I live with them, but Right now, I'm just a high school athlete. Well, I think I have a, at least an impressive background in sports. And, I mean, I've just been right now in quarantine, but with my dad and 
yeah, just been doing track for the past bunch of years and was coached by both the guys on this podcast. Well, hey, so what I just heard right there, that was the first time she ever called me Martin. You know, <laughs> I, you know so we're going to have a lot of firsts today, but she's selling herself a little short, so maybe I'll help out there where, hey, yes, she is a, a great athlete. She played a lot of sports growing up, which for any parents listening, I definitely recommend that you stay very varied in the beginning. I think people specialize too early. I think today the kids undertrain and overcompete, and we didn't make that mistake. But uh, but now she's been to a number of national championships. A year and a half ago, she was ranked tenth in the U.S. for her age in the heptathlon, which is seven different events. She's got eleven school records in her high school, which is uh, that's almost the entire board, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, and this year was the big junior year where we have a lot of colleges calling. And, uh, but man, I just wish she could have shown out and really shown what she was going to do this year too. But it's not just track. She's been, she's been a lead in the school plays. She's got a 399 on the GPA. Uh, hey, going for a gold award still in the Girl Scouts too. Mm. So, uh, so pretty, uh, also what I like to say is, varied background not a one-trick pony and uh and just won what's called the house award which is like i guess student council almost like for her uh high school and she won the biggest thing you can get for her class next year for senior year so you know as geo knows uh hey it's good to be a great athlete but you want to be a good person too so i guess i'm shouting out my kid right there on that but personally not, not just for me but for everyone listening what were you doing during the quarantine? Because a lot of people found themselves, you know, lost in motivation, lost in discipline, you know, and you being a 17 year old high school junior, you know, still training, dad shows me the video still, um, you know, still doing your thing. What are some things you've done over this quarantine period? And it's some things that you still continue to do. Yeah, I would say probably like the first week of quarantine, it was almost like I was kind of still in disbelief, like, and almost still wondering what's going to happen in the future. But once I actually, I think I had to sit down and really realize that there's going to not be a season and it's going to be the same for everyone. It's not just me. So I just really had to sit down and say, okay, what do I want? And I'm going to take this time to better myself rather than sit down and mope. That's awesome. Following right in dad's footsteps there. But what I, but what I would say, Gio, too, to answer it for anybody listening is we definitely jumped right into a routine. And I think during this quarantine experience, you know, there's easy habits. Like she would be at school, you finish school. Now there's the track, you train, you lift, you come home. This was this habit. What happens when now there's no going to school, no track, no training. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that first transition period of trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to lift? So we, we had some weights here. We got some more weights and okay, now we can train in the house. Okay. Where are we going to run? The tracks are closed. What are we going to do? But we did find a track that the public still could go to. And then, man, we just immediately embarked on, we're lifting three days a week. We're running a minimum two to three days a week. We're having our recovery days. And, uh, and we just stayed consistent. I would say for anybody listening that knows about training, the only tough part has been, I would describe this as extended GPP right now, where that's why I said, like, we're not running maxed out hundreds because we don't, you know, it's not time to peak and we don't know when there's going to be a season again, if there's going to be a season, I'm talking to coaches right now, they don't even know about indoor next year yet, you know? So, so it's just kind of like, so I think we're trying to use this as a huge base building opportunity to, you know, you know, build on strengths, still continue to stay in great condition and shape. But you know, this, you know, I think the human body, you know, it, it it can only peak so many times throughout the year. I'm not going to do that if we don't need to right now, you know, and that, and she's following the lead, but we're working on nutrition. We're working on breathing and we, you know, and even talking about anatomy and stuff like that. Cause she's going to have anatomy next year in nice. high school, which is really cool. So yeah, I mean, we've taken advantage of it, but I think the big lesson for anybody listening is your routine will be a product of your priorities. And if you show me your priorities, I'll tell you who you are. And her priority is still to be a good athlete and stay in shape. So our routine is based around that, you know? Uh And uh, I don't know, I I challenge everybody right now, even if it's your 10 or 12 or more weeks into this and you haven't really gotten started, you didn't do it, like get going because we don't know how long this is going to go. You might as well, like it's never too late to start. 
Yeah. So outside of like, you know, doing body weight stuff or whatever, going outside, jogging, running your sprints, what do you think are, you know, some other like intangible things people should focus on during times like this? Yeah. Well, I definitely resistance training obviously is a, it's a huge part, man. Like, you know, so, and whether it's through body weight, like we're doing, we've done so many push-ups and so many body squats, but Hey, and we don't have like a full gym here in our house. We've got a barbell. We've got a few heavy kettlebells for goblet squats. We do have a, a, a an Airdyne bike. So we're able to at least work some conditioning with that too. Mm-hmm. But we're doing a lot of band work we're doing, and we're focusing on some of the areas of weakness, like her hip abductors. And we're really doing a lot of core, you know, I have a, I have a Swiss ball so we can use that. And, uh, but what I would say is guys, it's, it's being consistent and I don't care if it's getting outside and just walking every day, which we've been doing that too. We'll go for a good three mile walk and just talk. But definitely if you can do some resistance training coupled with still getting out and moving, like I think, man, I just think people aren't moving enough. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. even in your regular day, people might get five or 10,000 steps where now if you, if you move that to zero, that's, that's a challenge, you know? Yeah. And it's funny and I, I even looked at, uh, I even looked at my steps and when I was coaching, I was getting anywhere between 25 to 30,000 steps a day. Oh, yeah. And that's between, you know, playing basketball and coaching, and walking around and whatnot. I remember the first two weeks of quarantine, I was averaging about, no lie, about a thousand a day. And I'm like, this is horrible. I got to get the yeah. hell out of the house, man. I got to go do something. No, or just, just be moving and being aware. And what, here's another thing. Look what we just talked about right there. I would also say, guys, if you like technology or, you know, there is some technology that can actually, it can help by making you aware. So whether it's your steps or whether it's, you know, Sophia wears an iWatch, but we also use the MyZone where we're using that stuff during our workouts to check not only heart rate, but heart rate recovery. We're looking at how she's improving over time. And these aren't, you know, yeah, that might sound like an advanced concept if you don't use that stuff, but that's not that advanced. Like this is stuff that's been around for a long time, but we're also taking advantage of technology and using that stuff right now to, uh, you know, to monitor and, and gamify it a little bit to see how many, how many workouts we just got the email. It'll tell you how many times you worked out in May, you know, how many calories you burned, what you did and uh, guys, whatever works for you. But if there's ways that you can track and get you excited about your stuff, that'll help you too. Yeah, definitely. All right. That's all folks. Thanks, Martin. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so I want to take not a couple steps back. I want to take about how many steps you think you take in a year? Close to a million? We'll take a bunch of million steps back. Yeah, millions and millions. Of yeah, steps. So, so we're going to take about, you know, whatever a trillion times a trillion is steps back to before Sophia <laughs> was even born. Yeah. Not a lot of people know, but I know because you told me from our time in Parisis, you started off in physical therapy. And I don't think most people know you started that route and you ended up out. I know a lot of people that are starting as coaches and going the opposite way into PT. So what made you want to come out of PT? And what made you take that huge risk, you know, jumping into Parisi uh, with Bill at the time early, in, uh, was it mid, late 90s, I think you said, right? Yeah. Well, watch this. I'm even going to take another trillion steps back. And this oh, will be snap. a good, I'll give it people some stuff they never heard. I don't even know if you even heard this one, Gio, because until recently, I didn't even focus on it. Like, hey, you know, the new book, Coach to Coach. Yep. And uh, in it, I dedicate it to a track coach that found me when I was about 12 years old, right? And a lot of people have been asking lately, like, oh, was he your greatest coach ever? Or is he the guy that motivated you the most? And the more I thought about it, I realized, well, hey, even when he got me at 12, there was somebody for the first 12 years that got me to be ready enough for that guy. Mm. And uh, so a lot of people don't know, my mom was a phys ed teacher. My mom was a high school coach in New Jersey. And, uh, and when phys ed changed, see, she was a phys ed teacher in the 60s. And back then it was girls and boys went to classes at separate times. It wasn't like everybody together. And, uh, and you know, you, to get a grade, just like math or English, you had to do real stuff. Like you had to really be able to perform. If it was gymnastics, you had to be able to perform. If it was archery, you had to be able to perform or you don't get a good grade, which I think is a great idea, you know, and now we undervalue it. But as physical education changed, she grew disenchanted with it and actually left education And because she had two friends that were dying of cancer at the exact same time in the 80s, I remember her coming home one night crying, saying, there has to be something better than this. And uh, 
she dropped everything and started a company that just worked with for women with cancer. And my mom became a, uh, a lymphedema specialist, a breast prosthetist, wig specialist, massage therapist. She grew, gained all the skills that could help women with this and never did it to make money. Most of it was pro bono because insurance companies weren't even paying for it then. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, so I guess what I'm saying is if I'm going to even really get the start, my mom, man, raised me, you eat right, you get enough sleep, you have a great breakfast, you train, sports is an incredible outlet. And then that became such a big part of me. That's how the other coaches found me and it grew. And, uh, and why I say that too, Sophia and I were just talking about this the other day. Man, I always knew I wanted to be doing something in sports and fitness. Like, I just always knew it. I don't know anybody listening right now, but I guarantee it. Like six, seven, eight, you had a dream, right? You had some kind of dream of something you wanted to be, somebody you wanted to become. And when I ask people, how'd that dream go? Most people put their heads down and be like, ah, yeah, that didn't happen. Now I have some job I hate. Mm -hmm. Well, I always knew, man, I wanted to do something in sports, whether I wanted to be in sports, coach sports. That was my thing. And when I got to college, I, I went to college just because it was one, I went to Furman University because it was one of the only programs at the time. This is the end of the 80s. This is how far we're going back. End of the 80s <laughs> that had a health and exercise science program. Uh -huh. And man, when I heard that, I was like, man, I want to do this. That's what I want to do. And I fell in love with it, taught in the labs. But then when I graduated, it was like, okay, well, what do, what do I do? do like, and people were like, man, that, that's not a real job. Like, you, like what are you going to do with that? So I applied to therapy school because everybody kept saying, you got to be a therapist, man. You got to be a therapist. You're mm -hmm. going to love that. It's this new job and it's great money and all this, which by the way, it wasn't great money. And, and uh, the insurance industry was like killing it, when, like destroying it when I got out. And when I got out and, and then had left the bobsled team, because I also made the bobsled team during this time, which again showed me I wanted to be around sports and I loved it. But when that was over, you know, what do you think I did? Like everybody was like, oh, well, time to be a therapist. That's what you should do. That, that's what you should do. So I went and became a therapist. And man, and I'm not proud to say it, but I was only a month in and I already knew that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Right. And like, I started getting a knot in my gut. I didn't want to sit in traffic on the way to work. I didn't want to go to work. Sunday was ruined because Monday I had to go back to work. And uh, everything was telling me there was something more. And hey, if any therapists are listening or people that want to be a therapist, hey, more power to you. If that's what you love and that's what you want to go be and that's how you're going to impact most people, do it. But that, it wasn't like, I knew I was helping people and it was cool. And I would never... Uh, regret any of the education because it helped me so much in what I moved on to do. But I knew I had a bigger passion and I knew I could help more people with it. And that's when, it, and I'm not proud to say it, but almost four years it took me to finally quit. And why did I quit? Because I was going, to, I started on my weekends, I was using all my money to go to seminars and learn more about training. And yeah. then I was training with the Gracie family and just like chasing training until I realized this is really what I want to do here. And everybody's telling me I'm out of my mind. So listen to this. What do you think my parents said when I said, hey, I'm quitting therapy and I'm going to go, I'm going to go live in this dude's house that I met through season jet tickets up in Wyckoff, New Jersey, because I met this guy on an airplane that's got a van and he wants to help train kids to be faster. <laughs> Guess what my parents said about that? Uh, I don't want to <laughs> say they said go for it. I want to say they, they probably told you something along the lines of, uh, you might want to check this guy's background first. No, they, no, it was more, it was more, you're out of your mind. This is the worst mistake. And, and actually they tried to say no. And I was like, no, how can you tell me no? They're like, cause you live in our house still, you know, you got nothing going on. <laughs> but, uh, but I parents went, being parents, right? Yeah. And, but I went, man, and Bill had this vision, you know, mm -hmm. and man, it was, it was so magnetic, but I never looked back. Like ever since I always say since the first day, when I was just reading and studying and we were creating and we're making things happen, it's like I never worked a day again in my life. And I never had a knot in my gut either, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, but that was kind of the transition, which I think is very important. So here's the lesson of that one. Because guys, everybody should leave with big lessons. You already heard one today was, hey, if you have kids, like let them try a lot of things and, and find what they love. It's way better they do what they love than something they're forced to do. But for every parent listening right now, Hey, make sure the job you do is a job you love. Like, don't spend your life doing something you don't like, 
right? It could be a mistake you ever made. And, uh, and my jump back into sports and fitness, which now that's over 20 years ago, that was 98 when I made that leap. So 22 years, which is hard to believe, was the best move ever made in my life. You guys were basically ahead of the curve. You like, you seen ahead of the curve. You were training MMA before like MMA fighting uh, or MMA fighter training became big. You guys were doing the NFL combine training before that stuff even became a trend like it is now. Now it's kind of watered down. Um, you know, you're doing training for warriors. You're ahead of the curve every time. How, how do you create that mentality, Martin? Cause I try to, I try to see ahead of the curve, but every time, every time I get to the curve, I see the guy in front of me, he's already making that turn. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, there, well, there's a cool book. Uh, I always think of with that. There's this cool book by Malcolm Gladwell called outliers. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever read it, but to give the gist for all the listeners, if you don't want to read it is he really found that there were these interesting things about exactly when you were born and what was happening in whatever industry it is. And so here's the thing. It wasn't just thinking about it for these people. It was actually being very lucky. Like as a sports part of the book, he talks about, do you know that like 90% or something of all the NHL players are either born in January or February? Did you know that? Yeah. And, and, and what it is, is if you were born in like January one, they called it like the magic birthday. That means that you're going to be the oldest kid in that age group. But because you're the oldest and you could be like 10 or 11 months older than another kid, which at five or six years old is a big advantage, then you're the best player. So then you get the most attention and you get everybody saying you're great and everybody thinks you're going to be great. And then you become great. But do you see how it was more when you were born than anything else? And the same thing for school. If you're the oldest kid in your grade, you have an advantage when you're in kindergarten versus the youngest kid in the grade. But they also showed that like Bill Gates came along right when programming was going big and he was the guy doing Mm -hmm. it. And uh, there's all these examples where he tried to argue as much as it is trying to see the curve, like you said, it's also you got to be in the right place at the right time. And here's the thing. I was so interested in sports performance before it was going. I was in the right place at the right time. We got super interested in the combine before it was going, but we were in the right place at the right time. I was the first guy to be training MMA guys ever because I was one of the first Gracie students and then wrote for Gracie Magazine. I was the first guy at the right uh-huh. time. And, uh, and then with training for Warriors, when adult fitness and these small boutique spaces started to explode, we were one of the first, right place at the right time. So as much as it is, I'd love to say I was smart and, and like, wow, I saw ahead and did it. No, I was just, man, I also got very lucky being the right guy at the right time. And uh, so what I would say is instead of trying to uh, see what's coming, you got to look what's happening right now and what's something new or emerging. And if that's your interest and in how it could go, you're in the right place at the right time. Hey, we're on a Zoom call right now, uh-huh. right? I'll tell you this. Zoom is in the right place right? at the right time, baby. <laughs> it's like everybody and his brother is using Zoom right now. And they're the ones that had the tech when it was time to get used. And I guarantee their stocks firing through the roof, you know, or, you know, or something like that. Now, you could say they saw it, not saw this coming, but they're in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Right? It's so all about timing. If that, I've been hearing, yeah, you know, I've, sure. I've been hearing that, you know, all the time, even throughout my career. It's funny because. Um, you know, I was a paid intern with the New York Giants in 2017 and I was trying to get in there at 2015. Didn't happen. I built relationships. So that, that's what I, that's what I was doing at 2015, 2016, same thing, Built relationships didn't happen. 2017 opportunity came right place, right time, just finished grad school. So I was really you know, doing nothing at that time. So yeah, I guess you're right. It's all about the timing, but one thing you left out big dog, the DVDs you used to do. Let's talk oh, about yeah, that yeah. a little bit, man. Showtime. Well, well, Hey, so thinking on timing again. Um, and Hey, because of the person sitting next to me at Parisi's, we were pioneering everything. Like if, if people listening, use the term sports performance for your business, we pioneered that there was no such thing. If you have a turf in your place, there was a time that there was no such mm-hmm. thing. If you're speed training for kids, there was a time there was no such thing. Everybody thought that was crazy. That was insanity. Or you're going to stunt kids growth or girls can't lift weights. You'll hurt them. It was, it was a crazy time, but we kept pushing and we kept pioneering and educating out there where now 20 something years later, it's kind of common knowledge where it's crazy if you don't do it. But while we were doing that, and Gio knows this wasn't some easy job. 
I mean, I was going in at 6 a.m., training housewives. Then we would train our world-class athlete and pros. Then we'd all work out together, do some learning. And then all of a sudden, from 3 to 9 or 9.30 or 10, it'd be kids and everybody in there, which a couple nights a week, I'd be giving speeches to the community for free just to get anybody in there. And uh, I realized, hey, when I had my, you know, Sophia was born, and uh, when she was born, uh, now we're, you know, going on almost 18 years ago. As she got older, my wife was like, man, you got to, this isn't going to work. Like you got to start getting home. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so again, think about that. It's weird in timing. So I had to figure out a way that I could still generate money and get paid, but that I could also be home. And because we were pioneering, uh, I was like, man, we have all this information. People could really benefit. And if they would pay for it, then it could be like, take up hours. I'm not here. And that's, and, and here's what's really crazy. Do you know it wasn't DVDs first, Gio? VHS, no way. <laughs> oh, remember, man. Remember that was it? We're all in that dungeon yeah. we called it? Like, because we, we made VHS tapes first, and I pioneered deceleration, which everybody talks mm-hmm. about now. We had the first product on that, first product on the NFL Combine, first product on the warm-up and speed training. We had this series of videos, which I think are still uh, so valuable today but they were done as a thing of timing so that I could get home, but nobody was really doing DVDs or VHSs, so it was perfect timing again that we could do it. But I guess the message is there that my kids have always helped direct me what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. You know, I didn't sacrifice that, just like I'm a high school coach now, and I have and I free up my schedule a ton of presenting and everything else so that I can be there for them versus I miss them for work. So maybe the other big lesson there, guys, there's always a way to figure it out, but don't miss out. It's not, no, here's, a, I'm, I, I got a big knowledge bomb. Are you Let's ready? Go. I'm ready, ready man. It's not noble sacrificing your life for either something you don't love to do or missing out on your kids' lives just because you provide for them. What is noble is to do what you love and figure out how to incorporate them into it and get paid. If you can figure out that, I don't care what it is you do or how much money you make, you're a success. But if you make a million dollars, but your kids don't know you and and you have bad health and your life was a wreck and you don't love what you do, you're not a success in my book, no matter how big your bank account is. So that lesson for everybody listening is chase what you love, but don't leave the people you love behind because you're doing it. And, uh, Man, somebody ought to write that down because that was the first time I ever said it. Came <laughs> I'm going to trademark that for myself now. I'm going <laughs> to copyright that on my end. But talk, you know, you talk about a lot of great lessons, Martin. Let's get into sports performance real quick because, um, you know, you being the pioneer, the warm-ups, the drills that we've done, proven success. Nowadays, I feel like too many coaches are starting to think too far outside the sandbox where they're starting to play in like the dirt now. You know, like yeah. – like, I don't, I don't know. I guess the conversation is kind of like, how, how, would you, how would you approach those coaches and say, hey, look, it's not about, um, you know, sprinting with parachutes or sprinting with bands too soon. Yeah. Let's get back to the basics. How can we, you know, get a proper thigh drive, arm drive, body angle, stuff like that? Yeah, well, definitely. Hey, there's a lot of points here. And for every coach listening, hey, I'm going to coach everybody up right now. And sometimes a coach has to give tough love, right? Or I call it love tough right? Like, so even when I'm coaching my daughter, it may, I'm tough sometimes, but it's love tough, not tough love. And uh, hey, for everybody out there, number one, never forget for a second, coaching is a long-term process. It's not quick fix and it's not instant gratification. I think speed training, unfortunately, has become a little bit of that, right? Like, oh, come to my two-week program or my five-session program or my Mm three-session thing. Like, Sophia sitting next to me is not the product of a any week program, we're on a 17 year plan and we got the next 17 to go, you know, like fitness is a lifelong thing. So coaches, I think you should measure yourself on, uh, not only the long term, but you should measure yourself on how many kids come back and keep sticking with it. Right. Which is very important. Like our jobs are to get kids to fall in love with fitness for their whole lives. Not to think that I got to do a quick fix and you're going to give me some creatine. And now I'm a you know, now I'm a speed guy, which is a joke. Now that's the first part. So like, man, it's long-term. Like I always thought long-term for her. It was never, we're going to try to do this 
this month or this mm-hmm. week. It's been, this has been this master plan, you know, and I think every coach needs to have it. And then you'll slow down and you will do the basics and not be forced to rush. So, so uh, for everybody, Sophia and I guys, there's no fancy stuff. Just like I never did fancy stuff with my fighters or my combine guys. We do great warmups. We work on the fundamentals of technique and then we have some really good programming, but it's hard work and that's the combo. It's not magic. We don't use a lot of tricks or gear or garbage. We don't uh, like, hey, I'm not pumping her with supplements or anything else. That's just, I don't know, it's eat good, get enough sleep and trade smart for a very long time. And if you can do that, you're going to have greatness at the end. If you want to like, just like a farmer knows, you can't not plant the seeds and not water and then think you're going to have you know, fruit or vegetables when the time yeah. comes. And, yeah. uh, and so that being said though, the first part is to get it past the instant gratification. The next one I would say is don't put on your tie before you put on your shirt. And what do I always mean when I say that one? I got that from my Russian coach when I was on the bobsled team. He used to say, all you Americans, you want to put on your tie before you put on your shirt. <laughs> and uh, see the Russians had a saying, they said, you give me 19 years, I'll give you a world champ. And that's the one I follow. Where in America, we say, I want three weeks and I want to be yeah. a world champ, you know? And it's, uh, and I want my kid to be a world champ when they're like uh-huh. nine, which that, like means nothing for nothing, right? But, uh, but what I mean is we like to do all this creative. We want to have fancy stuff. We want to use all these tools and these shiny silver bullets. And uh, guys, nothing replaces hard work and discipline. Nothing replaces long-term practice and a vision and a plan, right? And uh that's what we've stuck with. But when I look at like Instagram now and I see all these people that are, I don't know, either consider themselves experts or whatever, and they're just showing crazy ass exercises or just silly stuff. That's just so majoring in the minor stuff yet. That's what everybody wants to gravitate to at the end of the day, man, you look at the Olympians, you're, you can count up millions of reps of just the same fundamental stuff. But then you find a bunch of people that, never did nothing and they probably did a million different things 10 times for a week and never stuck with anything. And that's just my take, but hey, I got a lot of proof in not only the athletes I've worked with, but again, it's, I'm pretty proud to be sitting next to my daughter where there's nothing that could be harder than training your own kid and making it happen, but we've just stuck with the plan that I believe in and it's worked to get us this far. I want to touch on a quick point. You coach Sophia. Now you're her dad as well. How do you separate the two Sophia, let me ask you first. I'm I'm about to put a hold on. Let me put this post-it on Martin's face. She has to. She has to choose. She has to choose her words. I got wisely. Feel free to call him Martin if you want, because I'll give you. I'll give you the pass on this one. I'm gonna put a post. I'm gonna put a post-it on Martin's face right now. How has being coached from your dad and learning lessons from your dad as a father, like been? Like, how do you? How do you, as a kid, separate the two? Like, how do you separate dad from coach? Yeah, I would say when we're at practice and he's has his quote unquote coach hat on, he's still my dad. It's not like he's not my dad, but I would say I can tell the difference of when we're at practice, I know when it's time to be serious and when it's time to have good laughs and a coach and a dad you're allowed to have laughs with. I would say it's not like this huge difference that I can see like, oh, here's here's uh, coach Ruby and here's dad. <laughs> I would say um, even at the house, like when we're eating dinner and I hear these great stories and sometimes I can still think like, Oh, this is my coach that I'm hearing all these great stories from, but it's still my dad at the end of the day. And when we're at the track and I'm hearing all these cool stories and we're having good laughs or just dancing to the music we're working out to, I would say it's, not that I can see like, oh, he has his dad hat on or it's his coach hat on. I would say it's pretty much both. Not 24-7 because obviously when we're training, it's more he's my coach. But I would say that it's pretty 50-50 of my dad is my coach and my coach is my dad. It's not like a switch that he can turn on and off. Mm. It's I would say like 24-7, it's just now he's both – players in yeah, my so mind. So let me ask you that we the people, me and the outside world, outside of the Rooney <laughs> house, we only know this Martin Rooney guy on a stage mm-hmm. or on a turf field or track field, basketball field coaching someone. 
what is Mr. Rooney like as dad in the house? I need to know right oh, now. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Because I, I envision this guy screaming and yelling at the top of his lungs. <laughs> yeah. for, people, for people that don't know Martin, you have four daughters, right? So he's the yeah, only guy, so in the only man of the house. He is the man of the house. Yeah. <laughs> even, even our cats are oh, female, wow. man. <laughs> so tell me a funny story about dad in the house. Let's go. We got to put him on blast. Okay. I mean, I would say, obviously, we know how enthusiastic he is, and he's a smart guy. If I was to just say some funny stories, I mean, we have an Alexa, and he likes to play Jeopardy with the Alexa. <laughs> he likes to test his smarts with that, and he, he gets really fired up with just playing Jeopardy on the Alexa. But whenever we're, like, playing music, and like I said earlier, I do theater, so sometimes I'll play, like, theater music, and we all like dance and sing around to it. And he likes to just play games and <laughs> we'll have like Jenga tournaments. And obviously he's a competitive yeah. guy. So I would say anything, anything that we do, he's still like that quote unquote coach Rooney, where it's, if we're playing Jenga, he's going to go hundred percent and give his all. And he's still, yeah, I can't, this, I yeah. can't let my kids just win. Yeah, right. Let them earn, you gotta earn it now. <laughs> so. <laughs> so it's like, even over the years where it's like, if we're playing, we, we're playing just dance or doing archery on the TV, but I would say everything. He's still, he's still a dad and he's still with his kids all the time. And we're joking around and playing video games together sometimes. And all, all the stuff a dad does, you know, yeah, but I also put like, what did I give you today? What did I make you? Oh do yeah. That? Today we, he gave me a breathing book to help me. Cause I know that's something I've struggled with in the past and I've asked for help and he just, so I'm also yeah. always pushing and trying to educate. So I would definitely say, Gio, like, hey, we do have a lot of fun. Like for anybody listening, I think one of my secrets is I call it serious fun. Like that's the language the coach has to speak. Like you got to be serious first, but then it should be fun. But like yesterday when we ran, she had 400s. That's not fun, you know, and, and sometimes I do want to reel her in and, and it's, it's hard. What I would say, saying it, Gio, is not just – Hey, when I'm wearing the dad hat for, cause for everybody listening, I'm not just coaching her by herself. When I'm out there with the team, that made it very hard for me the last bunch of years of to make sure I don't focus on her too much or to make the kids think, Oh wow, he's only paying attention to her. You know what I mean? And that gets hard because then sometimes you feel like you're not paying attention on purpose. You know what I mean? And navigating that has been tough where I want to make sure she's, getting what she needs because she is pretty elite. But at the same time, I don't want the other kids to think like I didn't spend any time on them and I'm only there for my kid, you know? So that, that was definitely hard the last yeah, few so years. So you play both, both sides of the field. You wear the dad hat, the coach hat. What do you, what's your message to parents that, you know, we see it all the time. They're a little too hard on their kids, you know, when they're coaching them um, and whatnot. What's, what's your, I guess, what's your message to, to the parents who have kids that play sports and they get too involved where, you know, we all know the parents that want their kids to be professional athletes. So what's your message to those people? Yeah, I think, again, I think a big word that I, hey, I, I and it's, all of this is easier said than yeah. done. Because when we're a parent, right, and I'm a parent of four, you believe your kid, like every parent says the same thing. And hey, you're going to hear some noise right now as uh, no matter what time I do a podcast, it seems this, my neighbor wants to uh, always edge his grass right <laughs> next to my window. But uh, if you're a parent, I know how it always goes. It's like, oh, look how fast my kid walked. They're going to be a superstar. Look how fast my kid talked. They're going to be Einstein. Oh, look at my kid. They just got straight A's. And, and uh, I think as a parent, we do need to push and we need to direct our kids because like, hey, we can't, we, you're not going to leave your finances up to a five-year-old. You shouldn't leave their nutrition up to them or their future mm -hmm. either. But, uh, but I think sometimes we get so invested, you just got to make sure that you don't, I don't know, ruin the experience for them too. So there does have to be this combination of direction and fun. And man, I don't have the exact, how do you navigate that perfect? Cause it's hard. Like sometimes I do feel like maybe I'm being hard on Sophia, but you know, I know what it takes to be great and I'm gonna, I'm not going to cheat her and not and let her make the decision, yeah. you know, when she was 11 or 12 or something else. So it's just kind of, I don't know, but you do see a lot of parents out there that either push too hard. And I've heard this one before too, like, oh, my kid burned out. That's why they got out of sport. And I don't know. Sometimes I think now either the mom or dad burned them out. You yeah. know what I mean? Because they didn't keep on or they made it too serious or I don't know. And, and, but 
it's, it's the hardest thing in the world to watch your kid compete and you know you want to be there to do something about it. But my biggest advice would be you got to always ask the kid what they want and make sure that you're supporting what they want and where they want to be. So, oh, here's the line. You ready? Another knowledge bomb. Let's ready, go, baby. Gio? Are you ready? Because this is one that I had to discover even with her. I had to say, whose dream is it anyway? See what I mean? Like, whose dream is this? Is it my dream for her to go to college for track or is it her dream? Is it my dream that she gets into, I don't know, an Ivy League school or is it her dream? And what's hard is for a parent to say, man, this is my dream, not their dream. I got to support them in their dream. Uh-huh. Yeah. See what I mean? And hey, we, and you know why we had a hard time with that is, uh, and where I came to this conclusion for all parents listening, Sophia loves theater too. You know, it's kind of like if anybody's ever seen High School Musical, it's like the Troy Bolton story. <laughs> and it's like she likes, she likes uh, theater, but when you do a play, you like have practice more than even a sport. So they would finish school at three, come home at eight. And so what was happening is I knew if she was going to commit to that, now she, we, don't, we can't train. Now she's not practicing. Then there's no indoor track. And that was really hard for me to swallow but I had to because that was her dream. That's what she also liked to do, not, not do that and just do track. And I had to really, I don't know, it took time to really come to a grips with that. But we still figured it out. We still figured out how to do both. And it all ended up working out. And those plays were so great to watch and for her to see it. And it's taught her such great stuff about confidence and speaking and getting up in front of crowds and competing that – uh no, they're both great. And I hope in college she pursue, still pursues both. But do you see what I'm getting at? That a parent, maybe that's the best advice I can give you is, hey, guy or a girl, is this your dream? Because eventually it has to become the kid's dream. Like, yeah, you help plant the seeds of the dream in the beginning, but then eventually you got to see what their dream is. And your job as a parent is to support it with all you got, not to force them to do something they don't love. Because then, because if your kids are burning out, that means you're making them do something they kind of hate and you love it. And no one wins when that happens. Yeah. Now, how do you, let me ask you this. Talk about, you don't want to force kids to do something that they don't want to do. How do you get kids to eat vegetables? Biggest question in the world. <laughs> no, hey, you know, I don't know. It's, I would say you got to link it. Here's the first thing I would say, guys, every parent, like, you know, in the book, coach to coach, like if you read it, it's going to convince you that you are a coach. I don't care if you're a parent, mom, dad, brother, sister, worker, teammate, you're a coach, you coach somebody. And that means our job is to first be a great role model. Cause I believe the best example or way that a coach can teach is through example, right? Like, so the best way I've taught my kids to eat vegetables is I eat vegetables. That's how we do it here. You know, Hey, the best way, Hey, when Sophia goes and trains, I train with her. Like I try to train harder than her. Just like you remember with those combine guys, I wanted to jump higher than them, run faster than them, show them I could do a five ten five in four flat. If I can do that, man, as a 30 something year old guy, what can, what can yeah. they do? You yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, so one thing I would say is don't like, you know, make, you know, try to make, be the dentist with wooden teeth, right? Like, Hey kid, you got to eat vegetables and the parent doesn't, or Hey kid, you got to get off your tech as you're like sitting there on your phone, right? Like, so the first one is if your kids aren't eating vegetables, it probably means you don't eat vegetables. Mm -hmm. So like at our dinner, we serve vegetables, man. Like we really healthy meals and that's what they get to uh -huh. eat. So, and I'll, and I'll make you this promise. If that's all they get to eat, they'll eat it. So all parents listen. <laughs> like all parents listen. If you don't like your kids playing video games, who bought those video games? Uh -huh. right? Oh, which gives me a good idea. You remember for anybody listening right now, there are two videos of Sophia on YouTube or three videos when she was like eight or nine that she shoots talking about that, which is really uh -huh. cool. So people got to watch that because people still write me about that now. But yeah, so first thing is you got to do it. And then, man, you got to preach it. Like, so I talked to him about how important it is. Like, you want to be good at sports or you want to be in shape? You got to eat right. Like, this is like your medicine. You got you to gotta mm -hmm. do it. And I promise, if kids eat it enough and there's not all the other junk in the house, they'll like carrots and they'll like mashed potatoes. And like last night, we had what? Corn and, and mashed potatoes and carrot. Yeah, whatever. What yeah, was the meal last night? So it was, a, a, you know, just a really good meal. And they'll eat it. 
you know, and here's another one. We drink a lot of water. My kids don't drink soda. They, we don't have fruit drinks. We don't like, we don't do that. Like we drink mm-hmm. water. So, and it's just, but here's the thing, but that's what I drink too. So, you know, I'm not sitting there pounding down thousand calories of ocean spray, triple cranberry threat <laughs> while they, uh, you know, they got it and tell them they got to drink water. <clears throat> so I think that's just part of it. And remember guys, I'm not a, parental expert, but I have been a parent now for almost 20 years and I got four kids and, and it's working for mm-hmm. us, but being a good role model, filling your house with the right foods and filling their minds with the right things and, and supporting them on the dream that they want and talking to them about that. Like I'll say that like Sophia's room, man, we got pennants hanging up on the wall and we got like, so, Hey, have I talked about college for a long time? If I tried to educate her what that's about and how it's going to go? Absolutely. And if you think I'm nuts, then I would challenge, I would question you because I would say, wait, so I'm nuts? Well, I think the person that lets their kid eat junk food sitting on the couch watching shows you don't even know what it is and never talking about nothing or telling them they could be great and then being pissed off when they're not, I think that's uh-huh. nuts. You know, but, but the jury is out on who's really crazy, but I'm, I'm going to follow this one, you know, because it's worked so far. Yeah. Hey, so if you got to... You got a lot to live up to, man. You can't screw this up now. <laughs> Trust me, I know. This, this, this podcast is the, uh, the true testament of uh, parenting now. So. <laughs> no, hey, well, how about this, though? Like, like I said, everybody check out my YouTube channel. There are videos of her when she was really little. Six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, doing chin-ups, talking about it. And here's the big secret. We just haven't stopped. Mm-hmm. We just didn't stop. Now it's in quarantine and global pandemic. We didn't stop. Like, we kept going. And it, at the end... That's the secret. Stay really consistent with ordinary things, and someday they will call you extraordinary. Like yeah, so somebody, somebody ought to write that down too. That was I, I, I was going to say, now real quick, what did you say? The dentist with wooden teeth? That should be your next book. That's, <laughs> a, that's an awesome, I, I've never heard that quote before, but talking about books, let's talk about coach to coach. I read this book. I love it. I, I think I have one chapter left. Um, and I'm going to tell you again, I know I told you earlier, thank you for writing this book because you took me back to, you know, 2000 and, 10, 11, 12, those years, 13, when you were at preseason, everything you, you told us in person is in this book. So I recommend everyone listening. If you want to know anything Martin's told me or Martin spoke about, it's, it's in this book, literally the enthusiasm part. And I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, the story with the, the, um, the jujitsu part in the book, that was awesome. I, I, I jumped off the couch when I finished reading that part. I was, I was like, oh, this is incredible. Hey, if, if you got one chapter to go, you're going to be calling me soon because everybody calls crying at the very end. Real, oh, man. So oh, man. Hey, don't spoil it. But uh, well, so hey, what well, was your – Too, for everybody listening, it's not, a, it's not a workbook or a textbook. It's a story, right? Like, so Coach to Coach is a story with stories wrapped up in the story getting across – everything I ever learned about coaching. And Gio's right, man. Like I've been talking about writing that book for over a decade and I finally got around to doing it. And, uh, and here's, what's really cool. You know, if you check the back cover from coaches like Dan Gable and Lou Holtz, and if anybody doesn't know who they are, you better, but Rudy Rudiger. No, I saw that. Yeah, that was crazy. (laughs) And he thought it was an incredible story about how to be great, which that was like my favorite testimonial of them all. Uh And, uh, you know, and you saw Phil Sims wrote the foreword where I had the luxury of training his sons who Uh went all the way from when they were in like middle school, all the way to the pros. And, uh, but man, it was just this like labor of love. It was something I had to write, but I'll tell you what, it was hard to write like a screenplay story that makes people a great coach at the end. But, uh, but I couldn't have predicted how much people would need it right now. But man, the message is inside. Every day I'm getting emails of people that, like you just said, they just say, man, thanks so much for writing it. And no, and we take it all for granted. And we right? do, like, yeah. That's what today is all about. Like, Sophia, hey, having my daughter next to me, it's like, I wrote her yesterday and you know, you can even see the texts like watch, I'll, you know, so, so I just said, Hey, such great work today. The coach was so impressed, meaning this other coach that we sent it to. And Hey, I meant what I said today on my Instagram post. Cause I wrote a big post about her, how she never gave up and she's the most inspiring person to me today. And it's been, you know, like I'm a coach, man. And I love coaching. And one thing I'm really missing right now, like our hour or two a day that we spend, that's the stuff I really look forward to. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And it's like, she's given me this gift during it, but I've made sure that I tell her, you know, and that I'm proud of her. And that's what this book is about because all too often the people closest to us 
the ones that we just think they should know, they're the ones that get it the least. And you're right. It's a life book. Like you don't need to be a coach to read this thing and it's going to affect on your life and everybody gets something different. But, uh, but Hey, so, you know, Gio, and cause you knew me then when the book kind of was written, that story, a lot of people ask, Hey, is that young coach? Is that you? And the answer is, yeah. Like everything that happened in the book is real, man. Mm-hmm. It's real from the combine guys I trained to, to having trouble with Amanda and not being home enough and being disconnected. And, you know, if you noticed that was when I only had two young kids, girls at that point. And so although it's a fictional story, it's all based off stuff that's real and the mistakes I made. And that's why I think it connects with everybody so much. Cause it's not like made up, like it's the real deal. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. And I just love how it, 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 it differentiates the difference between tough coaching and like bad coaching somewhat in yep. a way. Cause you know, and we see it a lot now the, the, the stigma of, you know, coaches just getting on kids hard, but they never take the time to appreciate the efforts, yep. you know, the attitudes and stuff like that. So that's an awesome read, but. Hey. No, and, and I've had, Hey, I've gotten a lot from athletic directors in college, college coaches, high school coaches that have all written and said, thanks so much because I, Hey, it's for anybody listening. If you're, well, watch this. If anybody listen, if you're a coach, if you think you're a coach, well, you are. If you don't think you are a coach, you are. But uh, here's the thing, and I'm going to say this one hard too. Uh, if you're a coach, your job's not to be tough. Like your job's not like, I'm a coach, so I'm tough, and I'm going to break these people off and smash them so I can feel tough and make them look weak. If you're that person, you shouldn't be. A, you should never coach anybody ever. Your job is to make somebody a little better than before you met them and do whatever it takes to make that happen. Now, you may have to be tough to do that, but don't lose sight of why you do what you do. Like, I don't coach my kid to break her off. Actually, I think coaching your kids is something everybody should do a little bit because you'll see how careful you become. Like, man, I like every workout, I'm treating her like she's a Ferrari and we're <laughs> fine-tuning. Where yeah. that, had, that had to remind me, you should train, you should train everybody like you're, they're your kid. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because, like, man, I, I would never – do something to hurt my own kid. Why would I do something to hurt somebody else's? Right. And uh, man, I still think there's a lot of coaches out there still doing the stuff that their coaches did to them. And you know what? The sixties or the seventies is over baby. Right. Like, Hey, you can't have any water. Oh, we're going to, Hey, do 500 burpees cause you're late. Like, uh, you know, I, I think I was put on this earth to be the guy to make sure that that coach finds out they're not tough. Right. And you know, the stories that we use in there where, the young coach kind of gets his butt kicked by that older coach. Yeah. And he says, Hey, how, you know, you know how he's like, Hey, you like that? And he's like, ah, no, to be honest, I don't. He's like, well, you think everybody you you're crushing like that likes that or likes you? Uh-huh. Because I'll be honest that you ever hear that thing? Like, Oh, they don't have to like me. They just have to respect me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I always that's, hear that. Yeah. That, no, I, that's crap. They got to like you. Uh-huh. Like actually, actually, they should love their coach. Mm-hmm. You should love them. Like my greatest coaches. I love those people because of how much they cared about me and what they did. And all the secrets are in this book. And uh, man, and, and I, I couldn't be more happy that it's, it's finally out, you know? No, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and you, you've, uh, you told me this a long time ago. If you, if you want to be the best in something, go learn who the best is in it and learn from them. Yep. And I, I've been, I've been trying to do that, but obviously I don't have as many resources, but you travel the globe, you learn from, you know, the best of the best in whatever, you know, task you were trying to learn. Um, but let's talk about what's the, what's the warrior mentality, man? What is it? Yeah. Well, it, it, we have a company called training for warriors. Bring the roar, remember, man. Bring the roar. Yeah, yeah. And I can remember people saying like, Oh man, are you going to call it that? That's too scary. People won't resonate with that. Women will never do it. And you know, what's pretty interesting now, like 70% of the people that use training for warriors are women and everybody, and everybody loves calling themselves a warrior. Uh-huh. And what I like to say is, whether you want to use the word greatness, I like to use it interchangeably with warrior. Like I believe deep inside, we all want to be more successful. We want to be better at something. We want to achieve or have an impact or a legacy. And I like to say that that's this warrior inside, but there has to be a reason. There has to be something that brings it out, something that motivates you, some kind of passion or a coach or somebody else that can, can uh, fire you up enough to harness that to bring it out. And uh, so I guess right now, the simplest thing could be if you were to say, what's a warrior mentality? It's just, you got to keep taking on challenges even when you don't feel like it anymore. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so from hitting the alarm clock in the morning 
to eating the right food, to getting a workout in. I'm not going to lie. It's harder than ever. You got to be more disciplined than ever. But now it's time to bring out the warrior, man. Like we're in a fight, right? And what we call it is the battlefield called life. But I'll tell you what, that was never more accurate than now. Uh Like right now, humanity is fighting a common enemy that we've never had before, which is this virus. But humanity is also fighting some other enemies, you know, politically, uh, economy, racism, stuff that we have never seen before. And right now, it's time for the warriors to come out. It's time for us to do our best. Uh, obviously to do what's right, but to stay disciplined and as vigilant as ever. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really believe a warrior is, that they, they battle for what's right and, and continue to fight the fight even when it's tough. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, my years and years being around the greatest martial artists in the world, fighters in the world, military organizations, uh, I couldn't be more glad because it allowed me to have the discipline and the warrior mentality to get through what we're getting through now. And for everybody listening, I know it, it's not easy. Like, has it been as easy to work out of my house? No. Has it been easy to get up on time and still continue to read and try to better myself? No. Uh, it would, it'd be just as easy to do nothing, but man, like I got to fight the good fight, right. And keep doing it. And, uh, and that's what I've been doing the whole time. Yeah. Motivation or discipline, right? Which one, uh, which one do you think's way more important right now? We talked about it yeah, a little bit. No, well, it, well, here's the thing. They're always all important, but it's knowing the difference or, or what it means to you. A lot of people say, man, I'm just not motivated. I'm just not motivated. And they act as if, well, that means somebody else is the only person that can give you that, uh-huh. right? And see, there is external motivation. Like right now, if, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they got a little fired up to be better in their career or better parent or something, they got some external motivation. But the only reason they're going to carry it out or the way they're going to do that is by whatever it is inside that motivates them, the reason they'll take that action. So true motivation should come from within, right? That's why we say that bring out the warrior within. But motivation over time, like taking action over time or just doing it, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're not motivated, that is discipline. And right now I would say discipline is more important than motivation. So if you're like waiting around for somebody to fire you up and, and if that doesn't happen, you won't take action or you won't eat right or you won't work out, then man, you lack discipline. And here's the coolest part. Discipline is just something you build one day after another. Mm-hmm. So I'm challenging everybody listening right now. You could get the workout today. The next meal you could eat, it could be good. Tonight, you could get a great night of sleep and turn off the Netflix or the phone. And then tomorrow, do it again. And the next day, do it again. And if you do it long enough, right? If you stay disciplined long enough and build really good habits and routines, that'll eventually be what you become. And, uh, and through this last 12 weeks being inside, I'm proud of the routines that we've created for, you know, like that my daughter talked about today and I talked about today, but that's all I am is I'm a product of those routines, which is a product of my discipline. And I never, yeah, I guess I never had to think of it that way before, but you know, my mind, like, just like the book, Coach Coach, I tried to make it real simple, not complex. And that's pretty simple. So guys, motivation might get you going, but discipline is when you keep going. And if you keep going with something long enough, you build habits and routines and those will say who you are those will eventually build your destiny. And uh, if you understand that, it starts with what you're going to do next, right? And mm-hmm. then just keep it going. That's awesome stuff, man. <laughs> I could keep you on here for like three more hours, but <laughs> that's too long. Oh, well, here, well, here's the thing. Hey, we're, we're cognizant of everybody's time. And here's what I would say to everybody. If you'd like this, you got to write Gio and tell him, man, you got to get them on again. I want to hear this from them or that from them or this from them. And then we'll make it happen. But that, only hap- that work will only happen if you do the work. So you got to let Gio know. You got to give him some ratings for his podcast and let him know about it. But definitely I know his heart's in the right place. It always has been. I wouldn't have entrusted him with training my daughter all those years ago if it wasn't. And, uh, but we won't know what everybody thinks unless he let us know about it. And, uh, you, you know, so Gio, tell him where, the, where do they – now I'm coaching Gio on his podcast. Where can they write you to let them know that they liked it? Uh, well, I'm actually – developing my own website now i'm just waiting to do that stuff coach um so you can write me there they can go on itunes write me a review spotify write me a review anywhere you listen to your podcast i'm basically on every platform uh write me a review please you know this is a brand new podcast and i'm i'm more than honored to have 
the GOAT himself, Martin Rooney, the, <laughs> the Michael Jordan of, of uh, fitness, the Usain Bolt of fitness, whoever the best, the Cristiano Ronaldo, the Pele of fitness <laughs> man, on the podcast. I, gotta, I, gotta get, I can't stay much longer because I got to go read another thousand books, man. I gotta get <laughs> but Martin, I appreciate you coming on. And I got to ask you this oh, question. I got to ask you this question because I ask everybody this question. If you weren't doing what you're doing today in this career, this field, what other job or career you think you would be more interested in doing? Hmm. That's a tough one. Well, and here's what's interesting. When people ask me even what I do, sometimes the answer is hard now, right? Like, so I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, uh, I am a, a, a licensor of our program around the world. You know, I still consider myself a, th a physical therapist, uh, you know, obviously a fitness coach, track coach, sport coach. So, I guess it's hard, like, which one of those am I not doing? Because I'll tell you what, there's nothing I love more than getting up and speaking and, and, uh, and, and, and I love writing too and doing books. And that's my vision to continue more of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll tell you what, where I'm in the most zone and where my mind is clearest is when I'm coaching, you know, so depending on what somebody considers me. So if somebody says, man, you're the fitness guy, then I would say if I wasn't doing that, I would be coaching high school sports or something somewhere and you would never see me, but that's what I would be doing. You know, it doesn't have to be at the elite level or the NFL or whatever else. But if you said, okay, well, it's coaching and fitness, then I would say, man, I would be writing or I would be speaking. But, uh, but if it was a totally different career, um, man, to be honest, and I've been giving it a lot of thought, me and my daughter even talked about this on a walk two days ago. I think I would have been some kind of doctor. And right now, man, I wish I would have studied virology or something because like right now, I don't know how, how long it's going to take to have a vaccine or some drugs that hit this thing or whatever else. But I know if I could use all my energy and I used as much as I put into coaching and everything else, I would love to be fighting that battle right now. And I feel kind of helpless because I can't help because I didn't. And I'm, and I'm counting on these superstars in the world that they're going to come through for us and get us, you know, get us back on track. And, and then we can finally celebrate all the great things that are going to come out of this. That's awesome, man. That's a great answer. And I've, I've heard people told me, Hey, you know, if they weren't coaching strength conditioning, they'd be a football coach. It's kind of same path. So I'm like, yeah, my thing is I'd, I'd be out there, I don't know, studying animal behavior. I said it in my first episode, but I don't know animals just intrigue the heck out of me, man. Sophia, two questions for you. <laughs> yeah. The biggest, this is not the biggest question yet. This is, a, this is actually a, very minor question. What, what are you going to be when you grow up besides an Olympian? Obviously, I want to kind of follow my dad's footsteps. I feel like whatever I do, I'll be some kind of motivational something. I feel like I want to, <laughs> I want to motivate people just like he does, even if that's in the medical field or if it's having a family when I'm older or anything. But it's interesting though. we talk about that a lot. And I was, you know, I think parents do that a lot too, trying to pin them down. And here's something I'll say too for all the listeners, but I do tell Sophia, and she knows this, the job that she's going to have someday doesn't even exist yet. You know, like think about mm -hmm. it. Like I became a sports performance coach. You couldn't have asked me when I was 17, do I want to do that? Because it didn't even exist yet. You know, or, Hey, I was a podcaster or a, a you know, now we're doing a zoom right now or yeah. all these things that that job wasn't even real. So I think it's more like, again, I tell her, so you see how you heard at least science and maybe using some of the theater background and stuff, but you don't even know what the combination of those things will be yet. Uh -huh. So maybe again, for anybody listening, if you are a parent, like saying, hey, do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or this or that or this? Like, man, there's going to be so much stuff that comes out 20 years from now. Like, look where we were 20 years ago. I didn't even have a cell phone, man. You know, like, it's like, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 20. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, so that's how fast technology, technology and careers and industries are changing. Uh -huh. So I think it's more, I don't know, to find your area. Like she knows, yeah, history. She doesn't like that. You know, we talk about the thing we're we're narrowing it in, but definitely I just threw that in there because I've been talking. That was just an interesting thing I heard once that they said, man, the jobs they're going to have aren't even out yet. And then I was like, well, what? Yeah, that was true for me, you know? So mm -hmm. it's probably true for them. Hmm. Evolve with the times. Yeah. Basically. Right. But know what you love, know what you love and find the intersection of what you love yeah. and the times, which, Hey, remember what we said. And that becomes the timing. 
Yeah. You know, so right, maybe right. we good. You got to know what you love. Like I loved fitness and sport. And then I evolved with the times with speed training and MMA and combine and adult st- fitness. Like, yeah. So that's, that's actually a good way to define it. You know, like you got to know what you're into, but then you got to, what's ever hitting right then that you got to find the intersection between your passion and what's available. Yeah. And don't become a dinosaur. Yeah. So, all right. So if you're ready for a big question now, I or, hope so. Yeah. Right, it's not even a question. This is actually just a statement. I want to, I want to, I want to see your best Martin Rooney impression. <laughs> I would say if I was to do a Martin Rooney impression, you got to do, do the voice too. You got to do everything. His, his podcast intro where he's like, <laughs> welcome back to into the roar. <laughs> oh, you got, you got to say the roar longer than that. <laughs> uh, yeah, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to be like, hello everyone and welcome back to uh, Into the Roar. <laughs> see, 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 she's got to work on her acting skills, man. Yeah, uh, come on, Sylvia, you're in theater. Come on, girl. <laughs> and uh, but That is one they always laugh because whenever I have to shoot an episode, I always go, hey guys, you know what time it is? And they go, what? And I go, Welcome back to <laughs> and then they know. That's funny. Yeah, get out the house, right, Soph? Yeah. <laughs> and now, real quick, you have your you have a, a fitness Instagram, Soph? Yeah. What are you doing on that thing? Push ups, yeah. pull ups, sprints, what do you got on there? Right now I just posted like a few pictures kind of like <laughs> introducing myself almost kind of the thing. But now I'm planning on possibly posting like videos of stuff of things to do and exercise. Yeah. So this is like a new idea within the last like week, yeah. but I told her, see, maybe you can coach her up again. Like you did. Cause she doesn't want to listen to her dad. I said, you got to post some stuff. You got to get some content up. You can't just have like three photos and you know, you got to really start putting it up there. Mm-hmm. But like I was telling you, Gio, what was really cool is last night she got her first question from a kid her age of like, Hey, how do you work? But it was weird. I, I wouldn't have expected a young yeah. girl to write her and say, how do you work your biceps? But That's it was funny. funny. That's cool. That's so cool. And, and so if I encourage you to continue to do that because at your age, you're going to be a huge impact for kids your age and younger. You're closer to the kids than me and dad are. They might mm-hmm. listen to us and, and lose attention. They'll listen to you and they'll stay interested. You know? Mm-hmm. So put a motivation. No, hey, hey, it's, cir- it's full circle, man. You were training her when she was five and six and now she's helping people be more fit. It's uh so, Hey, for everybody listening, you never know who you're inspiring, but you want to do your best because that might inspire them. Like I thought that was cool for her to say, Hey, I want to motivate people where that's what I'm doing. That's what she sees. That's what she wants to do. Just like eating the vegetables or training or whatever else. So again, anybody listening, don't just rely on the coach. You're the most important role model and what you do, they're watching more than ever right now. Yes, sir. All right, Martin. Hey, appreciate you. So thank you so much for coming on because you were the yeah. bigger superstar today. I'm, I'm telling you the truth, man. So appreciate both you guys coming on. You, nah, you guys are great. Man. Great times. And everybody listening again, let us know if you liked it. So let us know what else you want to hear and we're ready to rock. Definitely, man.